the same place, Goa, we have uh, uh, Rahul Goswami ji uh, going to speak on nature integrator Hindu knowledge system. Namaste to all of you. Namaste Hari Kiran ji, Namaste Nagaraj ji, and Namaste to the team at Indic Academy. I am indeed very happy that you have taken this initiative to have such a conference and uh, glad, very glad to be able to contribute to it. Um, as Nagarajji said, well, we are in Goa and uh, I would like to begin by giving you a small word picture of uh, the kind of actual environment that we live in and that we see around us in the Mid-Kokan region. By Mid-Kokan, I mean our two districts in Goa and also the adjoining districts of Sindhudurg and Uttar Kannada. They share very much the same topological features. Now imagine along the coastal strip, which ends in the beach and continues in the water, there are low hills. The summits of these hills are about 200 to 250 feet above mean sea level. That is really where I would like you to picture what exists. At the top, is it is relatively bare. There are many grasses, very different kinds of endemic grasses, low trees. This is the area where the cattle graze. Immediately below that, on the slopes, are the orchards. These are the orchards in which there are the fruit trees, and the medicinal plants, the areca and the coconut. Immediately below that is the residential belt. So housing structures with wells and a few kitchen gardens. Then below that is what in Kokani we call the Morod, the plains of the Morod. That is where the rice cultivation takes place. For those homes or for those families, which are a little bit better off, a little more well off, there may be an adjoining, what we call a bhat, which is a dedicated coconut orchard. So in this way, you see the different components that agriculture and forestry combine in order to sustain the household. It is a system which has been in place, according to some accounts in Goa and in the Kokan region, it is a system which has been in place since the later Vedic era or the later Vedic age. And the reason why it is considered to be of this age is because the governance that exists on all lands that are not individually owned is a residual ownership of land. And until around the early 1950s, this residuary land consisted of about 40 to 45% of the entire surface of Goa. This was looked after by a system that is called Gaukari, which the 
colonial regime of the Portuguese translated as Comunidad, but it remains in the local language as Gaunkari, and it simply means the collective ownership and stewardship of the land, the adjoining water, the water channels, and the orchards and grazing areas. This system has remained functioning for several thousand years. Based on the scriptural record, but not archaeological, we can, we can surmise that this is the governance system that has existed in the entire Kokan Strip since the proverbial time immemorial. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this is because we have in Goa indigenous rice, which is at the moment in a perilous situation. It is in a perilous situation because my home has been Goa for about 30 years. And when I first came here with my parents, all we ate on all you could eat in terms of rice was the red rice, the fat grained local rice. At that time, there were reputed to be 24 or 25 different varieties, some of which were extremely saline tolerant, that is tolerant to saline water, and therefore could grow in the estuarine fields adjoining the main rivers. Today, it is difficult to find even two or three of these varieties in the local markets, the local weekly markets. What you do find are the hybrid varieties of rice, which have largely shoved aside what we grew indigenously for generations upon generations. It still exists, it is still to be found, but for for the small farmers, the small rice farmers of the Kokan, the economic question is who will eat this other than themselves? Whereas if they grow the hybrid varieties, then they have a ready market. And really in my work with traditional knowledge systems, understanding them, documenting them and finding ways to give them support, this has become a key question. What survives? Does it survive because it is economically viable or does it survive because it is and deserves to be a part of our culture and a part of our spiritual heritage too? The answers are usually given to the former choice that they survive because of economic considerations. And this is something that I feel very strongly we have to address whether we are scholars or activists or people who advocate certain measures based on a particular kind of understanding or whether we are practitioners and kisans ourselves. <clears throat> Now, what I wanted to, the way I wanted to proceed with my time with you today 
is to use this description i have given about goa the the coastal belt the way in which our uh, agricultural heritage has been functioning in order to lead into a slightly more philosophically grounded understanding of the materials of our civilization i've talked to you about the rice and the orchards the coconut the areca the 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 fields and the water bodies all of which have a communal ownership and governance this in fact derived from the understanding of the five elements the panchabhuta which has been extensively talked about both today and yesterday but also the other four divisions or the subheads under which we can talk about the five elements these four divisions as together being dravya substances and the other four elements are kala time bisha space atma the self and manas the mind and in my in my work with either government or with unesco and earlier with fao i found that the ability of a society to be able to treat the products of nature the materials of nature the transformations that are possible with it the meaning of those transformations and the significance attached to what emerges from that process that has very much to do with the 5 plus 4 dravyas which in fact are also part of the ways in which ayurveda looks at substances at what we loosely call substances now this was very interesting because from the early 1960s or so commensurate with the peak of industrialization in the west and the early part of industrialization in india we began to see new concepts being brought in in terms of our terminology and glossary these concepts had to do of course with industrialization engineering infrastructure and so on but also the consequences of having taken those steps towards development those consequences included the idea that there is an environment there is something called ecology there is something called carrying capacity there is pollution there is emission there is waste and there is consumption which is supposed to be good so these were the concepts that accompanied this from the mid 1960s onwards till that time of course we were as described in innumerable texts uh, written about india in the 20th century we were a largely agrarian society now that rather bland description that we were a largely agrarian society in fact obscures and glosses over the incredibly complex and incredibly variegated kinds of knowledge systems 
concerning these materials of nature which so many of you have so wonderfully explained and depicted and shown us over the last two days a part of that variegation was kept aside to be treated specially by the administration as hastakala ie handicrafts and hand weaves hand weaves meaning essentially the use of cotton and also wools and occasionally silk another part of it was treated in as a separate component by calling it agriculture and allied fields allied fields meaning livestock and animal rearing or animal husbandry this of course contained within it an enormous variety of knowledge the specificity specificity of that knowledge was in some cases to be seen as a difference from one valley to another valley one watershed even to another watershed and the third part of it was a system which has until today been struggling with in terms of its place in the medicinal firmament this means ayurveda and by ayurveda i would include ayurveda and all local and indigenous forms of healing versus what is mandated as being the public health system which is entirely predicated on what was left to us as a public health system at the end of the british colonial era so these are the three areas really and these are the three areas that also correspond to what harikiran ji mentioned a short while ago as being in this center for indigenous sustainability studies the three pillars of what the rural economy not ought to be not can be but has been most successfully in a flourishing way because this is the basis for which bharatvarsha aryavarta at that time and later on was called the sone kichidiya this is exactly the reason and therefore <clears throat> i would like to say that nature knowledge ie a compound term nature knowledge based ways of living their intricacies and the systems of consideration of material and their transformation this is an ought to have a uniquely indic view it does not yet it does not yet only because our conception of what is environment what surrounds us through what is grown and what exists in the mineral form which also has life as as we were told uh, in the presentation on jain cosmology that has been given a label the effects and the processes of industrialization and modernization those have been given labels and therefore the remediating measures and methods are also in their turn given labels to us
this has resulted in my view in my view in the diminishing of the terminologies with which by today we ought to have been completely conversant with where are these terminologies in the last two days until now we have been given abundant evidence that these terminologies in fact exist there is a great philosophy behind them there is ample evidence to support why they are logical why they are scientific and why they can they can apply to all these three pillars of the rural economy and therefore of the national economy but we are in a situation where we do not use them because they are either fall into the category of being spiritual or being cultural or being regional this is something that i hope we will be able to address through the center for sustainability and indigenous studies of indic academy now i would like to illustrate some of the this this well this largely i think uh, in a in a very few brush strokes broadly describes the situation where we are vis-a-vis -vis knowledge systems the whole panoply of knowledge systems how we how we see them as society and as practitioners how they are seen by the state and how they are seen also by the great bulk of consumers it may be somewhat pessimistic a view that we have uh, allowed or been led to let things slip to this degree but there is a somewhat optimistic view as well and i will tell you the optimistic view through a cup two through two examples that which i will give you which have to do with some of my recent work via what is called what is called the center for environment education himalaya which was supported by ministry of environment and to which i was advisor until 2018 one of the programs that we did for a number of years centered on the small northeastern state of sikkim and the impetus to that program was given by a national program which is called the national action plan on climate change which began all of about 11 to 12 years ago as a concept and as a plan for the the districts of the indian himalayan region now the government of sikkim was very interested in in implementing one part of this which had to do with the revival of the water in the hills of sikkim and this was called and if you if you are able to uh, use your search engine it was called dhara vikas dhara meaning a spring uh, dhara vikas and if you look for the do a search on this you will find a number of reports etc uh, written over the last 5 to 6 years what this did to 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 give you a capsule of what this did is that although there were very cogent engineering and 
forestry related questions that were addressed through the program. It actually concerned the regeneration of water storage structures in the hills. And to do that, one of the, one of the most important sources was the local knowledge of the structures that had existed and the ways in which they had been taken around the hills and brought into the orchards of, of southern or lower Sikkim. Now that entire project, when successfully completed about five years ago, that led to a remarkable development, which in fact was entirely outside the purview of the project. And what was that development? that Sikkim became the first state in India to grow all its produce organically. And the success of the spring shed development project in Sikkim, Sahara Vikas, was one of the main contributory factors. Another program that I was involved with had to do with the migrant pastoralists of the northern districts of the Indian Himalayan region. These are the populations which are known as the Gujar, Bakarwal, Gaddi, Bhot, etc. <clears throat> they are home in some of the districts in Himachal Pradesh, Uttarakhand, Jammu, and the Pir Panjal, which is between Jammu and Kashmir. And their annual movements are aimed at avoiding the snows and the frosts of winter and allowing their animals to graze on the summer pastures of the lower hills. So, this is an annual pendulum of, of movement. And it takes between four to five weeks for them to make one journey one way. Now, in the, in the view of the state, that means the state administration, the education of the children is paramount and that needs to be looked after. So the Jammu and Kashmir Jammu division was keen that the, the children of the Gujar and Bakarwal be educated, so to speak, in along the lines of the mainstream society. Now this led back and forth to a number of, uh, let's say questionable administrative ideas about the kinds of pedagogy that should be applied and could be applied to what is essentially a mobile community. Uh, what, we have, what we have been able to do is to be able to convince the administration that these are communities which have an abundance of knowledge concerning not only the regions that they pass through, the regions that they trek through on their annual journeys back and forth, but they also have an abundance of knowledge about the animals, the goats, the sheep, and the few cattle that they take along. So they are also practitioners of Pashu Ayurveda. And rather than 
rather than be part of a pedagogical correction which takes them into a mainstream curriculum they need to be able to hold on to their heritage and to be able to contribute or recontribute to the knowledge system that they represent this approach has been understood and recognized by the unesco's education for sustainable development program and has been also adopted by the culture and education section of unesco as as a potential model for a number of similar societies in south asia central asia unfortunately the situation in jammu and jammu and kashmir has still not stabilized to the extent where our recommendations can be in fact put into use but compared to what existed till about 10 to 15 years ago when you had a state education department insisting that the children of gujjar and bakarwal ought to be stopped in the middle of movement put into a tent and given a dose of uh, secondary school textbook that has changed and both these examples i think are optimistic examples of state administrations together with some some let's say uh, encouraging noises coming from the center being able to bring about a move towards sustainability rather than away from it <clears throat> i wanted to spend a little time from the time i have to be able to talk about perhaps the largest area of knowledge systems that we have and that pertains to agriculture in terms of crops and in terms of food staples this is an exceptionally important part of what we aim to do in order to bring about the true self reliance which was enunciated in the 1950s and thereafter as the outcome of the thinking on swadeshi <clears throat> some of it has to do with the way i've described about the gujjar and bakarwal which is that the ability or rather the the possibility of bringing in a knowledge system based curriculum in order to avoid the erosion that is imperative but in the case of food staples it is extremely difficult it is extremely difficult because today it has been proved extremely difficult because today we have 110 million tons of rice 105 million tons of wheat 45 million tons of what are called core cereals 
out of which about 30 million tons are corn or maize, 23 million tons of pulses as being our national food security basket. Unfortunately, even today, we cannot say how many of these million tons was grown and cultivated in purely organic conditions, i.e. without chemical interventions or inputs of any kind. This is despite us having had in one form or another a Paramparagat Krishi Yojana for the last 15 years whose, whose effective budget is still less than 5% of the overall agriculture budget of the country. So on the one hand, although I found that there are points to be optimistic about concerning pedagogies that relate to knowledge systems, when it comes to policy and market support for the products of those knowledge systems, which ought to be our crops, this is somehow still missing. The question for us, whether we are scholars or activists or saviors or advocacy specialists, the question for us is, in which direction do we go? Do we continue to try and bring about adjustments in policy so that it will achieve the aims and the goals of sustainability so that it will ensure that there is no further erosion of, of knowledge systems? Or do we attempt to create the networks in society, in consuming society, as we find it contemporaneously, that will do this by investing in these ideas, by investing in these products, and most of all, by investing in the communities which still hold and practice our traditions. I think there, is, there are abundant examples of the latter, abundant examples of the latter, which have been brought out in the last two days also, but which exist in many more forms, in many more permutations all over the country in our different agroecological regions, which give us the, the direction to follow in replicating these according to our own conditions, according to our own biodiversities. This is something that I believe that this center will be able to do effectively, perhaps more effectively than either what a corporate formation could do, which is, which is largely how uh, the Development Commissioner for Handicrafts, for example, which looks after uh, handicrafts of all kinds, has been able to, has uh, preferred till date, and is also more effective than a rather centralized, handout-driven government view, which is how uh, the state has approached knowledge systems in whichever part of these three areas they are. Coming to the third, coming to the third pillar, which is Ayurveda, we have a veritable explosion of interest in the methods, products, and outlook of Ayurveda on all aspects of public health, individual health, well-being, and of course, the booming industry called wellness. This is, in a way, 
a great opportunity for especially the smallholder and small unit farmers because it frees them entirely from the dominant model of being wedded to a agricultural commodity which is at the mercy of not only the apmcs but also the retail chain what is needed for this to succeed what is needed is the removal of the idea that there is a barrier in public health between the existing system which is allopathy based and the much older system which is a medical science proven through experience which is ayurveda once this is done at the local level as an entrepreneurial activity which has its roots in the knowledge system that surrounds ayurveda this becomes viable as a case my experience with the state administrations or the state machinery to be able to achieve this convergence has been rather unsuccessful when narega that is the mahatma gandhi national rural employment guarantee act began opening its rather narrow definitions of what constitutes an employment activity it took 4 years before they agreed that for a group of narega card holders to dig a water structure would also constitute part of their basket of work that which they subsequently called a convergence of views between the ministry of rural development and the ministry of agriculture that process took 4 years only to to the point where they agreed that this would be done and it was in the subsequent fifth year that actually this happened uh my attempt my one and only attempt to get the ministry of rural development to work with ayush at the time ayush was a department uh ended in failure because they simply didn't see the necessity of bringing in uh, a different ministry's view nevertheless at that after that uh it became apparent that this sort of convergence was much more readily available to do at the local level rather than at a policy level and i think that this is really where the challenge lies to be able to to accumulate aggregate the wisdom that we already hold in so many different forms use the cases that we have with us in all these three pillars that ought to be the foundation of the rural economy and go rather than to government alone or rather than to state alone go to consumers or sets of consumers with a pedagogy that educates them about why this is sustainably attractive why this is economically just and why this is in a way if you allow me to use this word why this is dharmic 
then we have i think a winning model which ticks all the boxes of sustainability self reliance and viability looking ahead at two to three generations rahul ji can we move to the conclusion and uh, we have three more speakers uh, at the end we are going to have a panel discussion and then if there are any points left probably you could cover those points during the panel discussion right um no i think this really is the thrust of what i wanted to say because there are a number of points of course and examples that i wanted to give but this you know uh, rather than repeating uh, what has been said earlier i wanted to bring together the 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 various strands of evidence that have been given in the last two days thank you fascinating actually the data the factual data the recorded data of actual activity that is happening uh, on the government side on the voluntary side and every side uh, it was really really fascinating and uh, we would not have got this but for you 